Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is a really fun episode. I know I always say that, but this is a conversation. You basically get to be a fly on the wall for my conversation with my really good friend, Dr. Sapna Doshi. Um, I want you to kind of imagine that this conversation is happening with Sapna and I at a little coffee shop in Philadelphia. This was near Drexel University where we both went for our clinical psychology PhD program. Uh, She and I were the same year, same lab. So we've known each other a really long time and we both have, you know, I think really pretty unique training experiences in the fields of weight management, eating disorders. Um, We talk about all the various other fields we've worked in since grad school, bariatric surgery, um, preventive cardiology, lifestyle medicine, Sapna's worked at a feeding feeding disorders uh, unit for little kiddos. And really, the reason we wanted to bring you this conversation was a couple of reasons. One, we love having these conversations and we do them all the time for free behind the scenes. So we figured we'd let you in uh, on, on some of our conversations and some of the things that we talk about. And so this, this is actually a two-part series. This We've geared these episodes to be relevant for individuals, whether you're someone looking for a more empowering healthcare team. We touch on that a lot in this episode. Um, Kind of wanted to give you a little behind the scenes, too, of what at least these two psychologists think. And so you can kind of get our perspective and some of the perspective we have had in working with other professionals as well. But we really want you to have... It really is having enough self-worth to make the effort, which it is a lot of effort. And granted, there are also barriers to find many real barriers, including financial, to finding a great provider. So not minimizing that. But to the extent that it's within your power at this time, making the effort to find the healthcare journey dream team that so you can really have that support to move towards optimal health and thriving. Um, It is a lot of work sometimes to find that, and you don't have to do it all at once, but you are worth it, and um, you deserve it. So we talk about that a lot in this episode. Um, I think this episode also will be really relevant for clinicians or providers, especially if you work with people a lot on their health, eating, or weight. 
Um, and you really want to have a range of options and strategies to help your clients thrive and feel empowered and excited along their health journey. So we touch on that a little bit more the next episode after this one. Um, in this episode, though, Sapna and I talk pretty openly about, you know, some of our um, experiences both with feeling shamed for things that we've said or done in this field and how, you know, while we understand the polarization in the field of health, um, we think it's really problematic and really harmful and harms individuals and harms people in the field at large. We're also going to talk about um, some questions you can ask yourself to help determine which providers are the best fit for you. Um, and you're just going to hear, yeah, a lot of different stories. It's kind of an off-the-cuff discussion. We had, a, we had an overall outline and a goal for ourselves, but we really just, I mean, again, these conversations are things that it's interesting to reflect on as an entrepreneur, the things that you are deeply intrinsically motivated for. And um, we kind of said throughout this conversation, like these kind of conversations, I just think are super fun. Um, and it's interesting as someone who's not a huge fan of conflict, um, you know, I would at times definitely probably still put myself in the people pleaser category, actively working on that. But um, it's funny because I actually just went to my a birthday party with my daughter several weeks ago now and met a physician and she was talking about like her perspectives and in, in the health field and she had a sister who's a dietitian and who's a really intuitive eating health at every size aligned dietitian and how they sort of go back and forth and I'm like oh that sounds so fun like can I join in the conversation and it's like you know you found something that you're supposed to do when you're just excited about I'm excited because I think everyone has a perspective that's valuable to bring I truly do and um so yeah settle in get excited for this conversation and um and also if you are a therapist, dietitian, or any form of helping professional, um, really anything, a coach, someone who looks to help me people make lasting changes related to their health, um, their eating habits, their weight, any of the above, and you really want to, you know, learn about the best ways to support and, and empower your clients, but also if you really just want a space to have a community around this, because I think that's what Sapna and I have realized is that we're so grateful for each other and I think a lot of times people might find one or two or maybe a bigger group um, of people that really get them and they can talk to but we're um, we're having a workshop on Friday April 21st from 12 to 1 o'clock so just an hour it's um, the link is in the show notes it is geared towards professionals so any professional um, also if you're you know, a physician assistant or someone in the, the health field and you work with a lot of people trying to make changes, um, that would be great. We're going to do some teaching, but it's really going to be an opportunity to meet with us. Um, and the, it's not going to be a recorded workshop. And, and we made it low cost. And so it's $45. And it's, it's really an opportunity to have a space. I want you to picture in this workshop, like we're hanging out, we're at like a really cool coffee shop. Like I said, we're, we're just relaxing and we're asking some difficult questions. We're 
digging in, we're digging into our own truths, the things that come up for us when we're working with clients, like our fears or our concerns about how we're going to be viewed in the field or our concerns about our client's health. And we're going to just, you know, have a shame-free learning environment where we can ask the important questions um, and really learn from each other, learn from each other's varied experiences. So that is what Supna and I are super excited about. Um, like I said, we could do this all day and we do <laughs> we do it with each other all for free all the all, all the time and we're bringing it to anyone who might be interested so we hope you will join us um, and if the date has passed there's another link to be notified about our next offering so if the date has passed don't worry um, and uh, feel free to just sign up at drhondorp.com forward slash workshop that's the general link to be signed up for future offerings. So we hope to see you there. And um, just as a reminder, this podcast and blog is for educational and informational purposes only and should never be construed as any form of professional or medical advice. If you need guidance in these areas um, as an individual or a professional, please make sure that you seek that out in a formal way because you deserve it. So, And this episode will give you some guidance on how to do that. So excited to have you here, and let's dive in. All right, so welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. This, I would say, like, it's a special episode. Um, this one is a special episode because it's a little different than our typical format. I've had my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Sapna Doshi, on for a more formal, like, interview. I don't know. You're back. I convinced you to come back. And, um... What we're going to do today is kind of allow you as the listener to be a fly on the wall to something that Sapna and I talk about a lot because we love this topic. It's like we're just very intrinsically motivated to have these discussions. <laughs> like when no one is making us, we would do it all day, every day. And we do sometimes. <laughs> we have this new... Um, app called Voxer that I use in my parent coaching program and it's just a little like voice text app and yeah so now we used to text about it and talk about it on the phone and now and sometimes when I'd see you mm -hmm. but now we're so so what am I talking about we're going to tell you all about um some of what we talk about in terms of the nuance um, and, and the polarization and sometimes the inflexibility we've seen in our experiences in weight management world. We were kind of traditionally trained in weight management and, and eating disorders more traditionally. And then, you know, we've sort of explored more weight inclusive, intuitive eating, non-diet approaches as well. And uh, we see, we've seen a lot of different sides. I think you and I have our own unique experiences our own unique biases um but we're just looking to have kind of a productive conversation with the goal of you as a listener being able to take some tangible things away from this um and building a health journey dream team if you will <laughs> so whoever is um whatever people in your your journey that you need supporting you we want them to be the right fit for you. And we want to give you some ideas about, and some background, I think, on our professional and personal journeys as we've been learning and growing. And uh, so you can be thinking about your healthcare 
professionals and where they're at. And um, yeah, so we're going to cover, we're going to cover a lot, but I think we're also going to go into a little bit about um, why we're so passionate about this work. So that's my little, little intro to everything. So welcome, Sapna. Thank you. I'm so excited. And since we've been using Voxer and chatting back and forth, I feel like we've both felt this momentum building for this podcast and being able to get clear on um, what types of discussions we want to be having with clients, with professionals. So I'm really excited to do this today. Yeah, me too. I think both of us have thought like this is, yeah, it's exciting to talk about, but we've, we've been talking about this privately for what a long time at least 10 years probably longer at least 10 years yeah I've been practicing for 11 with clients right so I mean since graduating grad school so yeah I think and we had some of these conversations in grad school like I was like starting to explore more intuitive eating like sort of approach listening to my body and I'd be like this is super different than what we're learning and you were like I don't know do you remember some of those conversations like over our coffee dates yeah yeah at that one coffee place we'd always go to yeah <laughs> you and I remember like we were doing this clinical weight loss trial and diet coke was uh, being pushed over someone who had a preference for orange juice I'll never forget that it just didn't <laughs> right but um yeah yeah it's like yeah we we started questioning this stuff a long time ago yeah so really it's like 2007 because that's when you and I met in grad school it's a long time (laughs) right now but that's okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes exactly so so we're you know I think each of us have our own well we each have our own experiences across our lives. Um, we also each have some experiences like personally of why we're so passionate about this specific message of like the field has gotten really polarized and it's problematic for clients and for the field. Um, I can share mine first or you can go first. What do you prefer? Yeah, uh, you can, you can go first. Okay. So there's been a number of different experiences, but Mine, for whatever reason, um, the first, and I talked a tad about this on the podcast, but not a ton. Right when I started my business to January 2021, I was in this uh, Facebook group for kind of weight inclusive, health at every size aligned providers. And I had read health at every size years ago and I was on board, but I joined this group and I was just sort of immersed in the world of like, going to have this blog and this podcast. And I'm going to talk about these things. And I was in this Facebook group and um, someone had posted a post about a therapist who was giving a talk at their previous institution. Um, and the therapist, all the only thing that the therapist said in this talk description was, um, it was like treating binge eating and food addiction and things you need to consider. Like it really, that was just using the term food addiction was the only thing that was offensive to this person who posted it. And this inside this group, this, they, everyone sort of attacked this therapist and this therapist was not in the group. This was like, um, they just attacked them. They're like, I can't believe this. They said some things that I don't even really want to repeat in terms of like, 
really extreme views about how terrible this person is. Can you believe this institution? Can you believe this person? Like they wouldn't be open to learning because one or two people were like, well, maybe we could share some feedback with them and share weight inclusive approaches to considering food addiction. And maybe they'd be open to learning. And they were like, I doubt it. Like it was a very mob mentality approach. And I was watching this and I know I texted you. I like had a panic because I was like, Oh, like I have had experiences with clients and I, I still to this day believe there's some validity to the concept of food addiction. And I've kind of gone back and forth, but like, as most things I go to maybe one extreme and then the other, and then I come to the middle. And I remember even talking about it still, I went back and looked at the post because it's still there and I'm still in the group. And, um, they had this person's talk um, canceled. They emailed the, without r- reaching out to the therapist, they emailed the school, got the, t- and then immediately got a response saying, oh, it was postponed. I don't know if it was ever rescheduled. Um, and I had this like fear response in my body where, and I ended up posting this like, hmm, could we, can, I'm just trying to learn here. Like it was almost like an apologetic post. Like, can we still talk about the food addiction? Uh, properties of food being addictive in a helpful way and they just they and they posted some links to like um, food psych and some of those podcasts that have talked about food addiction and why it can promote disordered eating and everything and but anyway I came away like terrified (laughs) to talk about anything of that sort and it wasn't probably I think I eventually it didn't take super long where I, I have talked about food addiction on the podcast and I've, I was sort of able to get through that fear, but basically I'm sharing this because I think that was a really, really unhelpful way to promote learning. I also think, I mean, the food addiction question aside, the polarization in the field is so problematic for so many reasons. We're going to dive into some of those reasons today, but it makes you scared to even like say anything and it makes you scared as a provider because you're going to be told you don't belong here. And I'm still to this day trying to find a place where I feel like I truly belong professionally. And I'm still, I don't know exactly know where that is still. And that feels a little bit ungrounding. Um, But that's where I sort of said, like, I'm very, I feel very aligned with health at every size in many ways, but I don't feel aligned with that behavior. And obviously not everyone aligned with health at every size does behaviors like that. And it's the internet and people get triggered and they get upset and they're humans. And and we're not going to shame anyone for that behavior, but it just really stuck with me. And um, I just think we Mm -hmm. need to learn to have more productive conversations. Yeah. I uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I know we've talked about that before, but hearing you talk about it made me feel really validated in what I've always felt in the professional community as well. So I know that we're not the only ones who feel this way, Um, but it's really important for us to pay attention to the emotions that that type of environment brings up for us. Um, And I think is is really fueling us for for uh to to build this community where we can have open discussions and there's no shame and there's just curiosity and and I'm hoping that we can promote more of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I will say that I was part of your practice virtually for a while, and I still join in on some meetings, and you really have created that, and and I know that's also fueled some of your experiences, but that's, I know, that was cool to be a part of, um, those, you know, peer supervisions where we have psychologists and dietitians, and we did have some of those nuanced conversations um, in those meetings. Yeah, you know, at my practice, Mind Body Health, we I've really tried to create this environment, and um, I think it's been going pretty well so far. Um, I know people have come into my practice with all different experiences and views on the field, but we've created an environment where we can stay open to each other's points of views, and staying flexible, and learning from each other, which is which is what I want to continue to do at our practice, but hopefully on a broader scale. I know that I um, I have language about bariatric surgery counseling and weight management on my website and professionals have approached me criticizing that. Um, I even had, Sean, I know you know this story, but um, a colleague that actually introduced me to Hayes and intuitive eating when I first started private practice with another practice in that was awesome. It really opened my eyes and helped me learn how to be more flexible with clients and introduce aspects of those approaches or philosophies into my work. Um, but, you know, she, uh, years later, she asked me to take down um, a testimonial that she left on my website because a client of hers found uh, found her name on my website and my website said bariatric or I said weight management. And she said, you know, there's been a lot of harm that my clients have faced from um, providers who, I, I forget her exact wording, but um, from the weight management world or. Providers who offer weight management services. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I just think that that this is just problematic in, in assuming that if a provider says they work on weight management related services or bariatric surgery counseling that they're in some way, shape or form harmful. When you and I both have had clients who've really felt validated when we've been able to talk really openly about those um, concepts or the procedure itself. And uh, so I know we're gonna get into this later, mm -hmm. but um, it's just important for me personally, I'd rather, clients come knocking on my door at my practice um, when they're wanting to talk about weight management or counseling around weight loss surgery than someone who isn't as informed on eating disorders and disordered eating and all of that. So, yeah. And I think the message that is given, that was given to both of us, whether the intent that was the intended message or not, is like, if you're not with us, you're against us, or if you're not with us, you're doing harm. And again, I don't think that's the intention of anyone. I, I think that, well, I think there's a number of reasons why people do this. I think psychological and emotional safety, they'll play a big role. And I think that that's what it kicks up for us as providers and that pull to be like, okay, I'll just be a thousand percent aligned with this approach so I can feel emotionally safer. But then you and I have been like, but that doesn't quite feel right to us. Um, and, and there's just so much nuance to it. So I think there's a lot of people who would say they're fully aligned with 
health at every size and intuitive eating who do have these nuanced conversations. Um, but, but if you do that too publicly, it's pretty easy to feel anxious because you're like, I'm going to get called out and I'm going to be told you don't belong here. And I think, I do think belonging has a big piece of it, but. And I, I think like, it's perfectly fine. You and I have talked about this a lot. It's perfectly fine to say you are a haze provider. You, you use intuitive eating, um, but to kind of say like, Hey, I have this other professional I can refer you to who's experienced with bariatric surgery counseling. I may not be the best fit. And that's what we do at our practice. We have so many different types of clients writing in. If someone says they want to work on weight management, we have professionals within our practice that are more well-versed in that world and can speak that language. But we have some that say, clients that really want to work on intuitive eating and we have dietitians that are really great at that work. And so within our practice, there's people that are stronger in one world or the other approach. And, uh, but what at our practice I like that we've built is there's an openness to refer to someone who might be a better provider versus saying like, that's you have to follow my approach or you have to do it this way. And this is the way to think about it. It's unhealthy to think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, our goal in having this, this discussion publicly is in hopefully being helpful for, like we were saying, people looking for just kind of understanding the provider perspective when you're looking for people to join your healthcare team um, to help you feel motivated, kind of inspired to create that optimal health and thriving. But then also for clinicians, like you said, it's okay to refer out. It's okay to go to someone who's on paper, a good fit. And sometimes people don't want to switch, like, especially once let's say you're working with someone and you decide you want to take a different approach. And so it's really nice as a clinician, if you can develop that flexible set of skills. And that's kind of why we are so passionate about having these conversations too, because if as a clinician, you're willing, that can be really powerful. So you don't always have to refer out if someone says, you know, and I think we're going to go into a couple of examples of, I think where we've seen people inadvertently do harm, but um, well, the first one is if you are working with someone on a really weight neutral, weight inclusive approach, intuitive eating, and then a client decides they want to do something like pursue weight loss surgery, pursue a weight loss med, um, medication, either of those examples, or even just, they do want to pursue weight loss. Um, as the clinician, if, you know, sometimes we could absolutely say like, everyone gets to decide their scope of practice. And so referring out may feel like the very best fit for them. Um, but that can sometimes inadvertently do harm to the clients or at least feel rejecting to a client, especially if you've maybe had a really long-standing relationship with that clinician, um, that can be pretty hard and it doesn't mean it. And again, well, not again, <laughs> we want to define this idea of like doing harm and kind of normalize, like, unfortunately harm does occur. And so just because someone's upset or they feel rejected you as a clinician, that's not bad necessarily. But we've seen that happen or even um, then clients get really anxious bringing up those topics um, with their provider and that causes a lot of stress and either they don't bring it up or 
it just causes a lot of inner turmoil for the client that may not be necessary. And they're like, am I allowed to bring up weight loss? Am I allowed to bring up weight loss surgery? The fact that I've been considering it. Um, and then versus kind of knowing like everything's allowed. Yeah, exactly. I, I think what we want to try to do is help clients understand and look within themselves what type of reactions they're having internally as they're sitting with their provider and empowering them to be able to bring that to the table in their sessions to talk about it openly, but simultaneously encourage clinicians to look within themselves about it and, and to think about and be mindful of what internal reactions they're having in response to something a client might be bringing up and also getting curious about that and staying open to learning um, and being flexible. If, if you're open to that as a clinician, I think you can help a really wide range of patients um, and, and get their true uh, experience because you're creating an environment that's really safe for them to bring up anything and everything. And I think it, in my personal practice, I think that that's created uh, more depth and clear path for the client in terms of figuring out where they want to go and how, how to go about pursuing their values, their goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, the other side of the spectrum, I think you and I think one of one bias that you and I probably have that you can tell me if this is right or wrong, but I think because we've worked so much within like the health at every size, intuitive eating, weight inclusive framework. And I think you and I maybe have a little bit of difference of how we view that slightly, but like mostly just like think it offers a lot, but I think we've seen and maybe personally, we felt more shamed as people who still talk about weight loss sometimes. So maybe that's our bias. Um, but I think it's important to state the other side is that when a, a provider is too supportive of weight loss, that can absolutely do harm. And 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 instead of I'm actually in a you know my internal family systems. Um, I think I sent you the video from that training where the provider the trainer was saying like, if a client comes in is like, I want to start Weight Watchers. And then she was saying like, a part of me as a therapist would be like, great, good for you. Good for you. Like that's, she, she was saying it more as a general training of like, why you don't get too excited about anything someone says, you just are like, tell me. And I know as therapists, we pretty well trained in that. Like, tell me more, tell me what part of you is excited about that. Tell me what part of you might be hesitant about that and just letting them work it out. Um, but certainly getting too excited about, yes, you should do that. And I think we see that more. So I think we see that more so with physicians. I've seen it a lot lately with like the GLP one meds where physicians are like, this works. I'm seeing all these clients with good results and they mean so well. Right. But then our clients can feel like, well, should I, they can feel pressured. And they can also feel like well, what if it isn't working, then it must be something I'm doing wrong. And then there's shame in bringing that up to the provider. Right. Their fault. It's the medications work for everyone. So I must be doing something wrong. And this provider was so excited about it. So now I'm, I'm failing and it's embarrassing to bring it up. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Cause that's, I have an episode that'll come out before this about those meds, as you know, and 
you know, everyone has a bias that physician mostly talks about, like we're seeing good weight loss results. And you and I know that some people don't have good weight loss results on those meds. And so it can, yes, that's a great, that's a very good point. As a total aside, I remember, I'll never forget this in my first um, grad school training, I think one of our first clinical like classes that we took, like a, one of our professors saying something like if someone has a, gets a haircut, they don't initially just, it looks great, you know, it's just like pausing and being like, how do you like your haircut, right, instead of imposing upon them like your reaction or what you think of it, and it's just small things doing this out of the goodness of our hearts and just very naturally but it's important in our work to pause and and think about what we're saying and how that impacts the client Mm -hmm. yeah such a such a therapist response right how do you feel (laughs) just tell me (laughs) some clients appreciate just the the you know the authenticity and so that's like a a small example is probably harmless, but, um, yeah, no, it's a good example though. I mean, it's, there's so many things where, you know, our clients are looking to us for our responses and, and our reactions, and that's a normal part of the process. But, um, and there's, you know, there's so much more beyond what we say, like our nonverbals come across. And so that's where, like, that's, I think why we're so passionate about doing this internal work, because, especially clients who are super intuitive or that you that know you really well, like they can still misread. I just had like an experience recently where a client said they began weighing themselves again and they were like looking at me and like, and I, I know this person really well. I couldn't help but like be smiling. I'm like, I, I really don't, I want to know how you feel about it. Like I'm not, I, I truly like, I don't think it's good or bad. I don't know. You have to tell me first how you're feeling about it but we had a pretty good rapport, but it's very natural. (laughs) My point is to look and to make assumptions. And so that's where if you can honestly have a conversation about it, um, it can be powerful. Yeah, there's this book that I absolutely love called Mindfulness for Two by Kelly Wilson. Um, It's very much an act-related book, but Mm -hmm. it goes into such great detail about noticing and observing the tiny shifts that clients have in response to something you are saying or doing uh, and you as a provider being a context in in the therapeutic dynamic and understanding that that's a variable that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. So we want anyone listening to be able to kind of help determine what type of providers are a good fit for them, um, whether or not they need a therapist, a counselor, dietitian, physician, well, they do need a physician at some level, um, most likely, other healthcare providers, how they could fit in. Um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit at the end about some tangible questions you can ask. But um, before we dive into that, let's just, we'll chat a little bit more about some of the ways that being too polarized or inflexible can be harmful to clients. Um, and one thing, going back to the food addiction example, um, actually I had someone not too long ago that was referred to me. Um, We did a phone consult and this person identified really strongly with the concept of food addiction. So you could argue that like maybe this person wasn't the right fit to work with me, but even the way as I, after that phone consult, I was like, this person clearly didn't feel safe enough 
working with me felt like I could get them and get it well enough and, um, to feel safe enough moving forward. And they didn't end up moving forward. They, I could kind of tell on the consult, they wanted more structure. They wanted more accountability. And to some extent, I would say like, that's just not what I do, but, um, the more I'm learning and helping to understand the internal family systems model, I'm helping to uh, understand that, that, that concept of food addiction being a real thing and having a solid plan for it can feel really safe and affirming for people. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And so not placing my own judgments inadvertently. I don't think I, you know, in this conversation, I wasn't like food addiction is not real. And I don't think it's a real thing. Cause I, that's actually not how I feel. Um, but I also recall someone many years ago when I said, you know, food addiction is real or like there is science to support food as an addictive substance. Um, I had a client who burst into tears and felt like so incredibly validated by that. It helped to reduce that shame for them. And, um, I think those are just a couple of examples. If we're too inflexible, if we're, you know, a lot of people, a lot of providers, not everyone, but a lot of people do have like a social media or have a podcast or they'll, they'll be putting their opinions out there. And that is, I mean, I do it. So, so you can't be perfect with it, but just knowing that if you're saying things like food addiction is not a real thing, it promotes disordered eating all of the time, that, that can be, that can feel really unsafe for people. Exactly. And I think that there's uh, a continuum with most of these things, right? Like, I think, and I think the other thing that gets misconstrued a lot in, in my mind is that, like, someone engaging in one behavior, or, or I shouldn't say it that way. So, so if a therapist is entertaining the idea of food addiction, um, and a client wants some more structure or guidelines, automatically we're contributing to disordered eating or an eating disorder. And and I like to remind people, for instance, like people coming in to see uh, one of my providers on my team or myself for weight management, that not everyone who wants to talk about managing or structuring their food or having some guidance around what to eat and how much is going to develop an eating disorder or, or has a history of disordered eating. So be really flexible and understanding that so many of these issues are on a continuum. And just because saying one thing to one client can be harmful, it's not necessarily going to be harmful to send that same message to another client. Right. Right. And because the risk of harm has been promoted so much people are so afraid of that I think it's like can be a deterrent from ever saying that term so that we never but then yeah yeah I mean even as you were talking I'm like I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before but um one of the times that I did Weight Watchers I was definitely in a very disordered eating slash eating disorder phase but like Weight Watchers actually set me off on a pretty healthy path for like several years after. And yes, it I did end up falling into some disorder patterns again. Um, 
but it, it kind of actually was a stepping stone in a way, like towards feeling kind of power, empowered and in control. And not everyone's experience is like that with Weight Watchers, right? But, and in the future, when I tried Weight Watchers, it wasn't as effective and I abandoned it quickly. But like, part of what I think it was, I mean, it was, I don't know, lots of factors, but just a little bit of like structure. And it, for me at that time, it helped me to feel empowered and in control. And I was not rigid. And I don't know, just made me think of that. It's, it's, and I, I actually have felt again, pretty addicted to food at times. Like I've felt like the strong pull. I don't feel it now, but I still feel like I'm not addicted, but I just, I'm like, I feel like it when, and I don't think I'm restrictive. I just think my brain really likes like that stuff sometimes. And I don't judge myself, but I don't know. It's just like you said, it's on a continuum. It's nuanced and we can be different places on the continuum at different phases. And it's not like we necessarily go to fully healthy and stay there forever. Maybe, hopefully we do. Right. But like, it's just, it's nuanced. It's so nuanced. It, it, yeah. And I, there's certain foods in certain contexts, like if I'm in a state of stress and there's certain types of foods in my house, like I'm not, I don't have faith that I'll be able to eat intuitively or have it in my house in a way that feels right for my health and well-being. Um, but there could be other times when that food's in the house and it's fine. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, or times in my life. And yeah, I think one of the examples I used uh, with my team once was how I had one client come in sharing an article about Weight Watchers and she's recovered from anorexia and still in recovery and working on her recovery. And I was able to be like, yeah, this is really, you're finding this to be really harmful for you and you want to stand against Weight Watchers and Oprah Winfrey and all this great. That's awesome. And then the next client I had came in and shared something about how useful Weight Watchers has been for her in learning about her relationship with food and bringing mindfulness into her life and paying attention to what's going into her body and how she feels about it. And so on the same breath, like an hour later, I'm like, that's awesome. That's, I'm so glad you found this tool that's useful for you. Mm -hmm. And it's understanding the patient as a context and their experience interacting with whatever they're trying to do and, and honoring that they have some wisdom in terms of what's working for them and not, and that they can share that with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's big. They have some, a lot of wisdom to bring to the table because sometimes what can happen is people are so used to like external diet advice. So then they come to you and now maybe let's say you're the intuitive eating expert, you're a therapist or you're a dietitian and you're the expert. And then they defer to you and you kind of have mentioned this before, like there is that power differential. So you're like, well, you know best. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been dieting for 10, 20, 30 years. And now I'm doing intuitive eating and I've been doing it for six months, but I don't, I don't know what I'm doing still. So they are deferring to you versus like, nope, we can come back and bring that wisdom. And I think that that's, um, I'll share another brief example kind of related to that of like, I think there's been times where I missed the mark where. I think the fear of weight gain is very common. I think it's also really nuanced, but I, I think that I think I missed the mark sometimes where people are like, you're not taking this fear seriously enough. Like not everyone has felt like that. Um, 
but you're not hearing me. You're not hearing how scared I am about weight gain. And I think this was a while ago, but I think someone stopped seeing me possibly. I don't know. Cause they, I, we weren't able to have that discussion, unfortunately, but like sort of the message is like, you don't quite get me enough and that doesn't feel safe. And, um, that's going to be off-putting to some people. And that's because it's like my, their judgment is like, this doesn't feel safe enough. And who knows, maybe there's some reasons for that. And it's because we weren't getting to that deeper level of intuition, perhaps maybe it was a fear response on them, but maybe not. Maybe it was like, and that's kind of, we want to listen to all parts of the client and all parts of them that maybe are super excited about the freedom and liberation of a non-diet approach, but are also kind of freaked out. And like all parts have a voice, all parts have something to bring to the table. And um, when us as therapists or clinicians can just listen and take that in um, and validate that there's an important message there without necessarily saying we're going to do or not do X thing and just be able to explore it is, is powerful. Yeah, I was just talking to a colleague earlier and we were talking about, um, you know, this podcast I'm going to be doing with you and and how ultimately I think people just want to be seen and heard. And so when a client comes in with whatever, they're struggling with an eating disorder, they've gained weight over time, they really want to work on weight loss. It's just like, yes, come talk to me. I'm here to listen. I want to understand your experience. And a lot of times when people come in saying they want to lose weight, it's really like if you dig deeper, there's a lot underneath that. So the word weight loss might bring people through our door, but how awesome is it that we can really deeply explore what does weight loss even mean to you? What's driving it? How do you want to go about it? And and a lot of times it's not even about like a strict diet or anything that they ultimately want, but a lot of times it's wanting to be accepted and loved and cared for. And we can be mm-hmm. the first place that they can experience that acceptance just as they are with whatever they're bringing to the table. And we want to be so careful, at least in my practice, so careful not to to shame anyone for what they're trying to address in therapy and bring in initially on their, on their first visit with whatever terminology they want to use. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you're talking to, it makes me wonder again, if that's sort of all, all us as clinicians and providers do have a little bit of bias of based on who we tend to attract. And, and part of that's what language we tend to use on our website and that we attract that group. And then we see that group and that further, helps build our confidence, hopefully with that group. Um, but then it can cause us to judge other providers without the context of like, they might be seeing us. They are probably seeing a different set of people because obviously they're different. And, and that can further contribute to like really what promotes that all or nothing message we're accidentally giving to clients, which are some providers are good and some are bad. And I think that that's, you and I have talked about that too. Like, I think it comes from a really good place, a desire to like protect them from the bad people for lack of a better term. But like that actually doesn't truly promote them developing that self-trust that I can navigate what feels right for me. And that that's what you're saying about building this dream team too, is for clients to themselves about what is it that I need from a provider, whether it's a medical provider, dietitian, a therapist, and really trusting that 
there uh, there are clinicians out there and and physicians that will take the time to give you the experience that you need. But yeah, it's it you don't have to take anything a provider says at face value. Um, and there is that power differential, and I think it's so important as healthcare providers that we stay mindful of that. Um, yeah, and yeah, there are different people that are at different points of their journey. They're feeling more solid in recovery from eating disorder, less solid, and so that'll matter. Um, like how anxious they feel, how. But like sometimes also people do surprise themselves. Like they're like, oh, I was able to handle that. It was not ideal interaction, but I got what I needed from a medical provider. And then I was able to, to leave um, and I didn't internalize it as much as I thought, or that's not always the case. But um, I think sometimes we can worry so much about harming our client that we can give them the message that like, you can't handle it. <laughs> and when really it's like, they can handle whatever happens, whether the providers weight biased or not, I, I'm sort of thinking more towards the medical side at this point as I'm talking, but Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is this, there are certain providers that will, uh, you know, I think for, for you and I, when we were trained in grad school about um, using CBT for eating disorders or behavioral weight loss treatments, like there's always this element of weighing. I think when I started private practice, that was very, I was very like manualized approach. We're going to do a once a week weigh in together and all that, but it was, clearly not a, a, the approach to take with every client. So becoming flexible with that. But there are providers out there that will never have the patient get on a scale or talk about getting on a scale. And I think there's advantages to that because there likely will be a time when a doctor, you know, takes your weight or you see the weight in the chart and you can advocate for yourself. Absolutely. But then maybe you mistakenly see it in the chart or whatnot. And being able to manage that and and um, helping a client know that they can get through those moments and still take good care of themselves, I think can be a powerful exposure to do in sessions at times if it's if it's appropriate. Right, right. Yeah, we're kind of getting at this idea of like, you know, it's bad to trigger people. It's bad to bring up and and that's super complicated, right? But like it's not always bad to trigger people. In fact, it can be an incredibly useful gift when we get triggered because then we can be like, okay, now I got to look at myself. Um, it's not always the case if someone doesn't have that resource or doesn't have that safe place to do that. But if they're already coming to therapy, they already do have one resource in you. And so it's okay to do that. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh and I think it's it's a conversation, right? It's always a yeah. conversation to have, and it, ultimately it's the client's decision. And but just having the question out there, like, do you want help in managing seeing the number on the scale or seeing it in your medical chart, or if you go to a doctor's office, we can work on that. You don't mm -hmm. want to work on. You don't ever want to get on a scale. You don't ever want to see the number. Let's talk about that too. It's okay. We don't have to get on a scale together. We don't have to do this exposure, but let's have conversations about all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people do come in to us assuming there's like one standard way to do that. And, um, and yeah, like I have no standard way that I do that. I do it very differently in very many different ways, <laughs> but yeah. And 
And we'll we'll move in in a second here to talk about like just a couple things to consider with different types of providers. Um, but I think the one thing I want to say is like you and I have had a lot of different experiences, like bariatrics. We both had bariatric surgery experience or weight loss surgery, behavioral weight management, which is really a whole bunch of different ways. <laughs> CBT, acceptance and commitment therapy, calorie count, like all different ways to really adhere to moderate calorie restriction. Um, but I've done cardiology, lifestyle medicine, kind of preventive cardiology work, um, where, I mean, just full on intuitive eating, health at every size, like a lot of people in your practice are there. We've had a pretty wide range and I think it's pretty rare for these fields to talk well to one another, like to have truly productive conversations. Um, so that's. And, and this idea that like each of those camps can have it all figured out and like no one else in the other areas have something to to bring to the table just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I think I used to be like, I'm too kumbaya. Like everyone, I'm a, I'm avoidant of conflict. And now I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> like it actually, we are missing opportunities here. And, um, and I guess even just, I didn't even mention like meds or there's just so many pieces like, so many. There's so it, many pieces that, yeah, can. Yeah, and and we were we we had a mentor who who studied eating disorders and obesity, and we, yeah. which is we rare, were so rare. I think you're typically funneled into a, working with a mentor with one specialty or the other, and so yeah, the perspective we got. And I know I um when I went to my internship training and I, that's the first time I was going to have exposure to bariatric surgery. I remember in high school we used to have conversations and I was very anti uh bariatric surgery. Um being like why would we help people go to that extreme like there's so much more we can do. And it wasn't until I got into that environment worked with clients who've had bariatric surgery and saw the amazing outcomes they had and how thankful they were that there was an, uh, a, a surgery out there that could help them and how transformative it was that I started becoming less biased and having these uh, judgments against um, people serving or pursuing the surgery. And so I think like we had unique trainings and we had unique clinical experiences. And I think a lot of times, I, I don't know this for sure, but a lot of times I wonder about the people that, um, are very much in one camp or the other if they were if that has been their only experience if they've gotten experience on the other side of things well yeah that's a really good point like it would be pretty rare for anyone to have a training that encompassed a lot of those different things like usually i mean i think a lot it's not that rare for someone to come from a weight management dietitian training and move towards an intuitive eating weight inclusive that that path is a little bit more common so you they're getting two experiences but you are still missing a lot of different areas within the eating and what weight realm um, that your clients may have experience with, get exposure to, have desires for that. Um, and so there's just this opportunity to remain open-minded and to also know it's kind of similar to folks that I knew that would work in the hospital and see the bariatric surgery outcomes that didn't go well. Their bias was always what's going on? Why are you sending so many people to surgery who are not ready? Like that's what they would kind of come at me with as someone who used to do the psychological evals for the 
readiness for surgery. And so like, yeah, of course, because that was their frame of reference. That's what they were seeing. It's not unlike someone who works in a hospital and sees all these bad outcomes for kids and then worries a lot about their kids developing that because that's what they're seeing all day, every day. And it makes sense. And we're not judging anyone for that, but we have to be able to step back and be like, what is my frame of reference and how is that impacting what I'm doing? (laughs) And, and that may change over time, but it's definitely going to be influenced for most of us by what we see. So like my experience in that Facebook group influenced me for a while where I was like, "Ah, I can't, ever talk about it's not safe to talk about I'm only going to talk about it with stuff (laughs) but like otherwise I'll get changed but like that's that's not helpful and I've had some really cool conversations like across the I mean I I feel like each podcast interview I kind of throw in if I think someone's open like I'll throw in here and there because I just like I'm just testing the waters but it's from a little bit of a place of fear sometimes and I, I wish it wasn't but it's just, that's the reality because no one wants to get shamed. So, you know, people, you kind of already touched on this, but we want to avoid, for a client, you want to avoid deferring to the clinician as the all end all be all expert and discounting yourself and your experience. So making sure that you are feeling seen, heard, and understood, or at least you feel like you're moving on the path towards that. Um, and if you're not like really listening to that, Um, and so, I mean, we could real quick, just mention the types of people that could be on your team. Um, so therapist or counselor of some type, psychologist, licensed professional counselor, um, LMSW therapist, uh, dietitian, psychiatrist for mood specific medications, um, primary care physicians probably going to be on your team to some extent, how much you bring them into the, this journey might depend on who they are. Um, sometimes someone with some specialty in weight management, obesity medicine, or lifestyle medicine, even sometimes functional medicine, although I don't know, there, it just really depends. Um, some of those can be super helpful. And then, uh, as someone who really benefits from a coach in my life, like sometimes a coach can be, it's, it's interesting that the therapy and coaching synergy is kind of fascinating. That's a whole nother discussion, but you know, that might also possibly be something that you want. Like there's a lot of intuitive eating coaches or relationship with food coaches and the coaching world's not particularly regulated, but there are some regulations and there are some, you know, standard training so you can know what you're getting. But um, yeah, so for someone who wants to tune in to, I mean, you can kind of just listen to that list and like, are there any that are like, Ooh, I'd like to try that. Or like, you can always try it one time and see, you can ask these questions afterwards. So after leaving someone you're currently working with, or even if you do a new phone consult or something, you can pull out a piece of paper or your phone and you can ask questions after your appointment or your session, such as, how do I feel right now? Am I feeling inspired, supported, motivated, hopeful, seen, understood? Or am I feeling scared, anxious, unsettled, sad? Um, some anxiety, some sadness and grief definitely can be normal and part of this journey. Um, and you know, all emotions are allowed, but 
you know, do you feel comfortable you can bring that up to the next that provider the next time is one question you could ask. And if you try it, how did that conversation go? Do you feel like you can bring your full set of emotions to that next conversation? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you feel anxious or hopeless for an extended period of time. But if that's feeling that way for a really long time, you're not really having that gut intuition that this feels like the right fit. Um, that might be a reason to consider looking at a different type of a different provider. Yeah. And one thing I'll add there too, is like a lot of people have difficulty identifying an emotion. So you can also tune into your, your physical body. Like, how am I feeling in my body? Am I feeling relaxed? Am I feeling energized after talking to this provider, doing a phone consult with them? Am I feeling really tense? Am I like clenching my jaw? And, and that doesn't necessarily automatically mean this provider is uh, not the right fit. I think getting curious about your emotions or the physical manifestations of it in your body. So are you getting anxious or noticing your jaw clenched because this provider is introducing something new, but you're also having some, some curiosity show up and that's, that's normal. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the key that you said is like, do I feel understood and heard, you know, and, and safe in, in with this provider? And I think that's something you can pretty quickly pick up on. Yeah, it's such a skill that like, hopefully we're honing across our life, right? Of like trusting our gut, trusting our intuition. I feel like I've honed it more. I just looked at like office spaces to, to rent and I was like meeting different people and I would just like leave and I just be like how do I feel leaving and I sometimes I honestly couldn't make sense of like why I felt good in certain offices or with certain people and but like I was just like I don't know I feel excited leaving this office so that's the office I'm renting but like it's it is a skill that I'm always I'm always working on and and so but the more you tune in and the more you trust and just believe I love that you said I mean it's such a good reminder of of just listening to your body and believing your body and yeah if you can whip out a list of emotions great and if you can't that's okay too because as Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart book tells us like most of us are like happy sad mad <laughs> I got nothing else and even that sometimes can be hard so um yeah I, I think that's I think that's great and you know it is worth finding the right fit and it is can be a lot of work to find the right fit sometimes. Sometimes people fall into your lap, sometimes they don't. Um, but I have never, I don't know, I have never regretted finding like the right fit for my own personal journey. Like it's just such a relief when you find someone where you feel seen and heard and understood, but also guided somewhat, you know, not just like empathy only, but also a little bit of guidance, a little bit of like, you got this, here's where we're going and helping you to see that it's a, it, and, and some of it's just personality and fit too. You know, we're talking about all these trainings and skill sets, but like, sometimes you won't make sense of it. And like, that's okay too. Totally. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think you and I have, you know, talked openly over the years about being, uh, finding the right fit therapist and I have gone through many therapists until I find the one that I, that I feel like I'm making the most progress with. And I feel like is really helping me. And then that, that one therapist that was 
just so amazing, retired. And then I had to find, I had to go through this again, but it weighs on me in uh, about like whether or not clients know that that's something that they can do. Like you, you have a provider, but if it's not the right fit, just know that there's so many other providers out there and it's okay to keep hopping around till you find one that you feel like is helping you the most. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's okay to like, especially for PCPs. I know a lot of people are like, that's so much work though. And it can be depending on your healthcare, your insurance and all of that. It's okay to do it eventually. Like you don't have to do all of this at once, but like you are worth making the shifts, putting in that work when you have the time and energy and, um, and you know, patting yourself on the back for every little step that you take is, is important too. Even if you're just like, I found one profile and I looked at it <laughs> like something. Right. But, yeah. but yeah, maybe it's a bigger investment in the short term, but uh, in terms of time and energy, but you may be saving yourself a lot of time to be working with the right provider versus not feeling like time, money, and effort working with someone that you feel like it just doesn't get you or you're not feeling comfortable enough opening up to them and you're not making progress. Yeah. And it does. I mean, it's something that I get in giving this advice and you know this for me personally, how like I did not take this advice. I would just go to therapists that I found were like fine. And I'd be like, well, I know what I'm doing. So I don't, it's fine. I just need someone to hold space for me. And then this like parent coach, I was like, oh, I feel like someone's actually guiding me a bit in a helpful way. And it's not that my therapists were never doing that. Right. But like, that wasn't the guidance I needed. I was already doing too much of the cognitive work. So I needed someone who could guide me in more of the somatic work. And I just accepted that it was like good enough. And I'm like, no, I deserve better. And it's okay to work for better. And it's okay to find the exact right fit personality, skill set, and training wise. And it took a lot of phone calls. Like it, and it's been really worth it. So I'm incredibly grateful. I think one of the things to just mention real quick here um, is I think a lot of therapists listening to this would say, you know, if we don't want to reinforce, like if something uncomfortable shows up in session that you just bail and go find another therapist. Right. Uh, because that could be saying a lot about how you interact with people in general and maybe an opportunity to work through something really important. But the key here is just like feeling safe enough in that therapeutic context that you can explore that together and it's productive. Um, and so just because, you know, therapy is not meant to be like, it's certainly validating and, uh, you know, we want a ther therapist that's empathetic, but I think it can be helpful to have a therapist that's helping you get uncomfortable and hopefully you're feeling safe enough to stay in the therapy with that clinician to explore that discomfort and and know what to do with it and being able to talk to, talk to your therapist about how to work through them. Yeah, right. Yes, it's such a that's also nuanced, right? Like how much do you force yourself to try versus and I think that'll just I mean it really does depend on what are you feeling up to? Like if you're really struggling with like you're like Ugh, it's confrontation or it's not even confrontation, but like having a hard conversation takes a lot of energy and kind of tuning into like, what, what do I feel best about? But, and uh, yeah, well, 
Anything else we want to add for this part of the conversation? We are going to have a part two, um, but, and that part two is going to be geared even more towards providers, helping them to really ask some good questions to help them dig into this. Um, we're also um, going to have a workshop geared towards providers. So I think for, for clients, it, um, they can share this episode with providers or future ones, but anything else you want to add before we finish up for today? No. Yeah. I think that's right. Like this is, we geared this episode more for um, potential clients and or existing clients and how to kind of build their health dream team. Um, but I mean, everything we talked about, I think can be valuable for clinicians to pay attention to too. It's really a parallel process of both client and clinician um, being mindful and observing their own internal thoughts, feelings, emotions, reactions, and understanding how they're responding to that in the therapeutic context. So yeah, I think you summarized that great. And I love the idea of sharing this with your provider and seeing if you guys can talk about it together. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully everyone listens to podcasts. Not everyone does yet, but <laughs> we're getting there. More and more people are all the time. So maybe they'll be willing to start if they don't already. Um, and, and yeah, for any, um, therapists, dietitians, or helping professionals who are interested in doing more of this work in a more deeper dive, we are going to be offering at least one, maybe more workshops in the upcoming months. And to get information about that, just go to drhondorp.com forward slash workshop, um, just to be marked as someone who's interested in workshops. And we'll make sure to let you know um, about any future ones. So, well, thank you for being here. This is just like our, I got my coffee here, just like our old chats and good old Philadelphia, whatever that, I can't remember what it's called, but I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, every time when I'm in Philadelphia I think of you um, but this has been great uh, I, I love that people can be a fly on the wall with us because these are the types of conversations we have all the time and it's cool to be putting it out there for the world to hear yes agreed all right see you next time hey there thanks so much for joining us today as a reminder if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to hang out with Sapna and I live, please join us for our workshop on Friday, April 21st from 12 p.m. Eastern time to 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we, if that date has passed, you can also sign up at drhondorp.com forward slash workshop, or if you're not by the show notes to get the link to that workshop, um, feel free to just sign up there. We'll make sure to email everyone and uh, offer a link if, if you want to join us on Friday, April 21st. But like I said, if it's passed and you want to hang out with us, make sure you sign up so you're aware of future opportunities. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.